0: You ever wonder why we're here?
1: I plan on breaking time and space. Why are you here?
0: To prevent exactly
1: that. Oh, it's on. Oh.
0: to rvb recall where we sit down and talk about all things red versus blue including but not limited to season 17 singularity today we are looking at episode one a stitch in time i'm katie cullen
1: and i'm megan salinas again your time and space savior probably or destroyer time will tell
0: thanks <laughs> donut
1: <laughs> that was a uh, that was concise and terrifying. <laughs> I mean, that's what we're in for this season. Like, we're, we're just going to be traveling all through the, not quite the multiverse, but like, that's sort of what we're in for, though. Different versions of all these characters as time and space keeps getting fractured. It's so cool. Oh yeah, no,
0: this is going to be fun. Before we really get into the episode, I did want to point out a thing about the title that we realized when we were first watching it, because episode one is called A Stitch in Time, and there's a saying, A Stitch in Time Saves Nine. We have nine reds and blues, including our
1: freelancers. I was going to ask if that included the freelancers, but yep, nine characters. So A Stitch in Time Saves Nine.
0: I was going to say, you say that like Wash and Carolina haven't been summarily adopted by the blue team.
1: I mean, were they adopted by the blue team or did they adopt the blue team? Because they're basically team mom and dad. I mean, Wash was adopted. Can you adopt parents, though? Is that how that works? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) I think think I'm going to have to look into that. I'm not sure if that's true. I mean, legally, I don't think that's how that works. But since
0: when have the Reds and Blues ever cared about legality? They broke time.
1: That's a fair point. They broke time. Um, I'm fairly certain that's, like, at least a misdemeanor, probably. I don't know. In the grand because Is that a cosmic misdemeanor? Is that how that works? Yeah, you know, slap
0: on the wrist, pay a ticket, 500 years in space jail. You know, no big deal.
1: But... How do you work out your sentence if time and space is broken?
0: See, that's the legal loophole. (laughs) You found it.
1: (laughs) Well, this is off to an interesting start.
0: Yes. Yes, it is. And so was the episode. We, Mm. man alive. Now my memory is failing me. Did we start? (laughs) Woo! It's a good night, everybody. We started back with the reds and blues, did we not?
1: we did yes uh we pick up basically right where we leave off uh with jenkins assuming the role of church and it's the classic scene of you know from all the way back in season one where they meet the rookies uh the red team is meeting donut and the blue team is checking out their tank and that's that's where this season starts off
0: and we see Donut looks pretty much unaffected here. We see him first appearance in his bright red standard-issue armor. But Griff has this awful sense of deja vu and loses a sentence right in the middle of it. And Jenkins slips up and calls Caboose by name before Caboose has actually introduced himself. And can't quite keep his lies straight when Tucker calls him on it. He said it like ten times, but he's been here like five minutes. So, for a trickster god of deception, Jenkins is really not good at this.
1: You know, we were talking about this off mic, and at first, it was because I thought that it was because he was an AI that he was bad at lying. but then i it, it took me a minute to remember, oh no, Church was the only AI that was really bad at lying because the deception part of him had been like exercised uh, to form gamma. Um but yeah. He can't quite keep it together. And yeah, for for a trickster god, you know what? Maybe it's just because he wasn't expecting to have to keep up the ruse for so long because Krovos getting captured was not part of the plan.
0: Oh, yeah, no, he is absolutely being impatient. And we get to see him go back to Krovos, go back to have a nice little conversation about why are we doing this? Why do I have to do this? And we see him convince Krovos to take a physical form. And this was a thing of wonder and glory that I very much appreciated. What was your favorite of what he pulled?
1: Definitely what we end up settling with, Lieti. (laughs)
0: Lieti is indeed an amazing human being. I really like just that 15 seconds where he takes the form of Donut and, oh no, this is terrible!
1: Like, yeah...
0: He's not intimidating.
1: No, Donut is many things, and we love him, but intimidating is not one of them. Unless he's throwing a bomb at you from like a million miles away. In which case, yes, Donut is terrifying.
0: Yeah, no, that throwing arm is just like, let me just
1: leave forever. No, no,
0: no, Donut is amazing. So we have Jenkins going back to continue the charade that he may or may not be invested in and may or may not even be good at, and Donut wakes up to have a nice conversation with Krovos as voiced by Lee Eddy, and she is having a real good time
1: in this role. When, like, for years, we've been clamoring for more 4-7-Niner because fans fell in love with e- Lee Eddy, uh, like, and they fell in love with that character too so for years fans have been clamoring give us more 479 or give us more lee eddie and we've been getting more lee eddie and other red uh, f- red versus blue shows in other rooster teeth shows they're all red versus blue shows i mean when you really think about it yeah yeah but um but yeah no uh it's been great getting lee eddie in like camp camp and day five And so it's been great seeing her pop up in these other properties, particularly as Gwen. Um, But that doesn't change the fact that we... Still want her in red versus blue, and so the, the couple minutes where this becomes the Lee Eddy spectacular, as Krovos because she's basically she's very similar to Jenkins or her delivery is very similar to Jenkins. Like you can tell these two cosmic beings are related, or these two AIs posing as cosmic beings are definitely related because they're a lot alike. And just the the way she relishes her words is so so good and it's so satisfying to hear her describe how time and space is being torn apart
0: and just some of the delivery that she has when explaining what's happening when even when talking about some of the alternate timelines like yes he had a short but enthusiastic life and oh that one's adorable yes yes it is like <laughs> crobo's Crovos still very much has a personality in there, and he's still pretty dang funny, but you can't forget that Krovos is also very much our villain of this story, and, is very, and Crovos and Jenkins are our villains of this particular season, and they're very much trying to make our heroes fail, and we've put Donut in such a space that he may not be able to succeed, because what we have here right now is... Krovos is still caught. The hammer worked. The hammer is now out of play, thanks to Jenkins, but the hammer worked. And the only crack in Krovos's prison is the Reds and Blues timeline. And by creating alternate timelines, they create more cracks until eventually we break Krovos out of prison and
1: that's it. That's the ballgame. I love this as a premise. Like... It, again, it presents a multiverse sort of setup where we're going to be hopping back and forth, not just through time and space, but through different different universes without it being a multiverse, because this is the result of meddling. These are artificially created worlds. And so, it's not like it just exists within the multiverse in the natural order of things. This is all messed up. And the possibilities that we can see, it's it's exciting. It's exciting to see what they do with it and whether or not the slate will be wiped clean by the time the the season's done, um as time and space is fixed or if we're going to like like or if we're going to have like a Marvel sort of secret wars sort of situation where bits and pieces from all of these different universes are going to converge into one. We're basically going to keep our favorite parts from all these different AUs that get created over the course of this season.
0: It's an army of reds and blues that are going to go fight Jenkins and Krovos.
1: I mean maybe.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And I do love that one of the things we pointed out here and one thing I want to put a little emphasis on is that Jenkins isn't stuck just puppeteering church. That Krovos very much said that everyone are AI enabled individuals. It's, if you're a Halo person, it's standard issue implants for UNSC. Kind of. Red versus Blue is Halo fan fiction and it does what it wants, but the long and short of it is everyone is AI enabled. That was, when we were talking about this about the show, you brought up that that was a big part of season five. O'Malley. Nice finale, yeah.
1: Yeah, the the finale of season five. Uh, There's this extended sequence where O'Malley is hopping from person to person, uh, looking for a way to hop onto the ship and escape. Um, And so all of the other red versus blue characters that we hadn't seen him possess get temporarily possessed so we could see what their personalities are like as possessed by O'Malley. (laughs) Did you
0: know that, like, when he possesses Church, he's like, "Oh, Church is like, oh, I don't feel any different," and everyone's like, "Oh, it's because he's angry all the time." That's the joke. Someone used that and a few other pieces of evidence to call the AI reveal before season six was ever announced.
1: That blows my mind <laughs> <laughs> because the the AI. N- not to get sidetracked, I don't want to. I don't want to go too far down the rabbit hole of. Pri- prior seasons, Too late. and season six is my favorite. That's what we're doing in this entire season. We're going down the rabbit hole of prior seasons. That's the point. Do it. That's fair. Um, <laughs> but so uh, the reveal of church being an AI literally blew my mind. I made the mistake of watching that episode before I went over to a morning class and I could not concentrate. I felt so st- but then, like, fast forward, like, about, when a, a, like, a couple months, because the, um, the, the DVD came out and everything, and I bought the DVD. Fast forward a couple months to me sitting down with our college roommate at the time, Tara, uh, who's a, fe- a fellow Red vs. Blue fan. I pop in the DVD, and I'm waiting for that reveal, because, again, it blew my mind. I had trouble concentrating on anything else that day. I got no work done. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> and we get to that reveal, and what does Tara do? Ha <laughs> She just gives like a single laugh, and I sat there and I felt so stupid that it was like a mind blowing thing for me, and she just went, huh, that's funny. I mean everyone <laughs> reacts differently. That's
0: hysterical, honestly.
1: And it's it's very Tara. Well, it it just shows how much I was invested in the character at the time because, again, Church is one of my favorites. So like Washington and Church, I think, go back and forth for me. And then Carolina's in there, too. So it's just the three of them uh, fighting for control of my favorite of the favorite spot.
0: And yet somehow Church has kept control despite the fact that he would never win a fight against those two. No,
1: not even remotely. I mean, Carolina might go, they might, They both might go easy on him because they feel bad for him. No, <laughs>
0: no, since when do they ever? True. Uh.
1: <laughs> and speaking of going into
0: past seasons, what I really like about the structure of this season, the conceit of this plot, is that I know there are a lot of people who, got into red versus blue and they started with season six because that's when the plot starts or they started with season nine because backstory or season 11 like they would start at the beginning of new arcs but there are a lot of people who did not start at the beginning and so one I appreciate the the throwbacks for people who have been here since the beginning who started at the beginning even if they didn't start watching it you know from day one. So there's throwbacks for people who do have significance for you ever wonder why we're here or remember the jokes about the flag or remember like all of the crazy stuff from the first five seasons. And it's also impetus for people who didn't watch them to be able to go back and see them in order to have context for what we're seeing now. So I really like that they brought it back around like this. Like, as a classic fan and as someone who knows people who didn't watch the first five seasons and as someone who sat people down and went, Look, I know you want to know more about this canon. We're starting at the beginning. You don't get to argue with me. It's important.
1: (laughs) You got to do your homework. Um, I can't count the number of times I watched season one. It's been a long time since I've watched season one, and I'm definitely overdue for a rewatch. But... I watched it so many times in high school and in college that I think that if I put it on, it might be like an old Disney movie where it turns out, "Oh, that's right, I still know every word." <laughs> I mean, yeah. A little bit, little yeah. bit. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, if you're listening
0: to this and you haven't seen the first seasons, we uh, we highly recommend going back and watching seasons one through five. And they obviously don't have the polish on them that later seasons do. They don't have the budget. You can tell that some of them definitely recorded their lines over the phone (laughs) like That's that's back when it was. A web series. They were some of the first machinimators. They were just people making this because they wanted to make a joke about how the Warthog is an oddly named vehicle. That's how this started. That's how this started. The Warthog joke. And it went from there. So yeah, watch the classics. Know your history. This is the test and it's going to be on the test.
1: Uh, yeah. And, and that's exciting. Um, but like I feel like other seasons trying to do throwbacks to those early seasons, particularly season one, I feel like certain seasons might have dwelt in it too long. What I like about what they're doing here is that very, very quickly, we've kind of thrown the trappings of season one being like the framework of this season because we kind of thought that we were going to like be in it for a little while. And I don't think that's the case. I think the main focus isn't going to be like, play the hits. I don't think that's what we're doing this season. I think what we're doing is that's the basic framework. And we're going to be following Donut through all of these different AUs, essentially. And I think that's it. So what is initial, what initially looks like it's just going to be retreading Uh, season one again like um, what was that season eleven? Eleven. And and, you know no offense to anybody if that's your favorite season or whatever but I I really feel like going through the simulated version of Blood Gulch was something that could have been condensed so that we could focus more time on the freelancers like here I I feel... Oh that was nine. Was that nine? That was the okay. Nine. Yeah, was it's chorus. it's been a while. Oh yeah, no, chorus was great. The chorus trilogy was fantastic. Um, nine was very much a transitional season, um, which is fine. Like sometimes that needs to happen. But yeah, so I feel like that season, all of the blood gulch simulated stuff could have been condensed, and I think that's what we're doing here. We're kind of getting those early things out of the way so that we can focus on this Rick and Morty esque jumping to different universes, basically. This is terrifying, and I love it. I also think,
0: I agree with you, I think we're going to see a lot of AU stuff. I also think that we are going to not so much play the hits as it is set them up, and then do a ton of audience subversion. Because again, this is, this, we're getting a little bit into news here, because there was a shakeup in the writer's room for this, and there was a lot of planning between Joe and Miles and Gray and you know Joe and Miles are both big big fans of the classics they've been here for a while that you know not to say that Gray isn't but I know for a fact that Joe and Miles are super into it so we've had a bit of a shakeup in the writers room that Joe Nicolosi is not writing or directing this season he had ideas for the overarching plot he met with Miles and Gray they had a conversation and they reworked something new So now it's Jason Waite Jason White, W-E-I-G-H-T I read that as Waite I think that's right Anyway, his, Joe's co-writer From the previous season is writing And then uh, Austin Clark and Josh Ornelas Who have been machinimators for Years on Red vs. Blue Are directing this season And I am super excited For this because I've, I've had the opportunity to speak with at least Josh and I know that he knows his stuff in terms of this season and I'm sure they all do. Or in terms of this series, rather. So I'm very excited to see all of this. I truly am.
1: Yeah, this this upcoming season really looks like it's a collaborative effort. Um. So yeah, I mean, not every season is a collaborative effort because that's the nature of machinima. Uh, <laughs> um, but... Yeah, it looks like from a uh, a writing and production standpoint, this is this is a a lot of people whose hard work has really paid off in the past. I I really like a lot of those storytellers and the way and what they bring to Red versus Blue. I really appreciate that. I am a little bit bummed that you know, that Joe had to step away because I know he was a controversial choice that like um for for you know picking up uh, the job of head writer, I know he was a controversial p- choice. Some people were were all about it, it with the new things that he was trying. Other people were like, I preferred the way Miles and Miles wrote things. Which again, your preferences are fine. Whatever whatever floats your boat is fine. But I appreciated that he was trying to do something different with every season he was writing and directing. So I was. Given that this was a two-parter, more so than the the season before, I was interested to see how he was paying it off. And so I'm a little bit bummed that he has to step away. But he's stepping away to go work on something else at Root at Red. Uh, I'm doing it again. Why am I calling Rooster Teeth Red versus Blue? Everything is Red versus Blue. But yeah, he's stepping away because uh, he has the opportunity to write on a different project. And there's not enough time to do both. So it's not like they're kicking him out. He got another opportunity. And so I'm bummed, but at the same time, I'm like, I'm happy for you. And I I can't wait to see what, what this is, what he ends up working on.
0: Oh, yeah. He's still at the company, and it should be a fun and interesting project. And I want to make a correction already because I did go and look it up. It wasn't Gray that was in that meeting with them. It was Jason. Ah. So that would make a lot of sense. (laughs) You know, the person who's writing the show is in the uh, brainstorming meeting for the overarching plot of writing this season. You don't say. But we have two people who were very, very much into Red vs. Blue from the beginning, and I don't know how long Jason has been a fan, how big into it he's been. I mean, obviously, he wrote, helped write it last season, but I don't know his history with it as much as I know Miles and Joes, but we have two, possibly three people who have been in it to win it since the first few seasons. And so they definitely know what they're talking about. Before we move on to our next topic, we wanted to say thank you to everyone who is supporting the show. Thank you to everyone who took a listen on iTunes. Thank you to everyone who is following us on Anchor and who is supporting this channel on Anchor. We really appreciate you guys and you guys are the reason that we get to keep doing fun shows like this. You are the reason that we get to do this, and so are our sponsors. Rooster Team Radio is sponsored by Fred's BS. Breads and spreads by Fred. Fred's B.S. is an L.A. local one-man baked goods business that offers unique flavors in small batches. Whether you're looking for homemade jams, brownies, blondies, or brown sugar buddies, the best cookies you've ever had, Fred's B.S. can provide. All products are made in small batches with fresh ingredients, nothing is ever frozen, and Fred provides a plethora of flavors that can't be found in stores, like the aforementioned brown sugar buddies or his strawberry peach paradise sunrise jam. Also, if you're L.A. local, you can choose pickup instead of delivery and get your goods even sooner. Head to fredsbs.com and use coupon code THEROOSTERTEAM for 20% off your entire order. That's fredsbs.com, F-R-E-D-S-B-S.com and coupon code THEROOSTERTEAM with an M. FredsBS, treat yourself because you deserve it. So I will be interested to see how all this plays out. We have our plot hook of Jenkins can possess anybody, Donut can possess past iterations of himself, and any changes to the timeline will cause more AUs and eventually cause Krovos to be freed.
1: How do you fix an essentially
0: unfixable situation?
1: Um, you, you hit it until it it done break and then you can put it back together? I don't know. Do you get temporal glue to, to fix the crack? Because um, yeah, that right now, this is the bad thing, right now, Donut is playing directly into their hands. The I, I don't really see any action that Donut can take that isn't actively contributing more to the problem uh, unless he convinces Jenkins to tell him how to undo the damage or he finds another tool given to him by the gods that can maybe or maybe oh shoot what if the way of fixing this is destroying the universes that get created from the crack I mean what I really think is I I think that the real solution is going back to that point of origin and preventing Washington from getting saved. I don't know if that would fix it and, set every, and reset everything or if that would just done break everything even more. Yeah, no, honestly and quite
0: sadly, I'm pretty sure the way to fix this is to let Wash get shot. Yeah. And I'm one of those people who didn't really agree with the decision and the consequences namely because I have a different interpretation of the character than I think some of the writers do and therefore it's, you know, it's it's my headcanon, how dare you. You know. <laughs> oh no, my headcanon clashes with the actual canon of the show, whatever shall I do. Put it over in its own little corner and go back to it when I feel like having fun, that's what you do.
1: Can can we can we take a moment to just address any fans out there who are salty at any given property for not for the writers not doing what's in your head canon? Um, can we just take a moment and say you need to check yourself, and if you're really that upset, just go write some fan fiction and then get over it, <laughs> if, if that's okay.
0: Yeah, I don't I don't put writing fan fiction as a derogatory thing. No, no.
1: No, no. Oh, I, yeah. I'm talking specifically about you you know who I'm talking about. I'm talking about certain people on Twitter who can't get over how shows end and who feel the need to harass other people for not having the same interpretation of the character.
0: Megan, like Megan, Voltron is over. I'm it's okay.
1: <laughs> I'm just saying if you're that type of person, maybe keep your fandoms to yourself. And re-examine your life and your choices.
0: You're allowed to criticize. Just maybe don't yell at people. Or absolutely don't yell at people. Let's, let's call it that. But yeah, there's... um, Washington, I think Washington. Washington. Everything's come back to Washington for me. I have a bias. I have such a bias. He's so good. Yeah, you have a top three favorites. I have a top one. And a lot of close seconds. Um, <laughs> anyway... I think that our solution from this is going to go from the fact that Krovos has discounted the rest of the Reds and Blues, that Krovos has said they're living their past on rails as though there's nothing that any of them can do about it, when we've already seen that Griff and Tucker specifically are starting to pick up on the fact that something is wrong, that things don't match. Tucker is finding logical holes because Jenkins could not give less of a fuck if he tried and Griff is just having the worst deja vu. So I would not be surprised if along with Donut, we get those two and eventually everyone else kind of breaking out of it and going, wait, this is the situation, we need to fix things. But yeah, it's it's probably gonna end and well, we need to let Wash get shot. And whether or not Wash is cogent of the decision at the time and allows it to happen to himself is a whole other question that I would love and also hate to see explored because this show hurts me
1: sometimes you know Wash would sacrifice himself for the oh, greater yeah. good oh, um, absolutely. but um, I love the idea of Tucker of both Tucker and Griff being the ones to recognize that something is wrong and then ultimately being the ones to step up and say we, need, we, we broke it we need to fix it because the the last couple seasons have had a lot of focus on Griff really stepping up as a character and coming into his own and accepting a life of adventure, you know, <laughs> after years and years and years and years of it refusing the call, <laughs> he finally is has accepted sort of his life with the reds and blues and the, the chaos that that brings. Um, And Tucker, a couple of seasons ago, had an entire trilogy in which he was stepping up and becoming the leader. And I know that his arc over the last couple seasons has been an interesting one. Um, I think mostly in terms of dealing with the leadership stuff, it's been a little lacking um, because maybe I think mentally, because Carolina and Wash are there, feels like he doesn't have to step up as the leader and also losing Epsilon you know you backtrack a little bit Um, whether or not you think that was a good thing for the character or not that's debatable Um, but especially with his focus on his misogyny in the last couple seasons too and finally addressing that I thought it was good to address it whether or not again it was it was as it was executed in a way that really intended that again that's up for debate but the point is is that those two characters have been focal points for the last couple seasons so them working together to have to like to come together and fix this makes a lot of sense to me and I really dig that So yeah,
0: I think that was kind of our predictions corner in terms of where we see the season going from here on out. Because, you know, we've had a whole 12 minutes, so obviously we can just predict the rest of the season with pinpoint accuracy. This is what you come here for, ladies and gentlemen, pinpoint
1: accurate predictions.
0: (laughs) I can't keep a straight face. Not
1: for that. Have any of our predictions ever come true? (laughs) Yes. Yes. I know, but like I feel like we throw so much stuff at the wall that statistically something's bound to stick.
0: Well, yeah, but then we can say that some of our predictions have come true. You see how this works? Numbers
1: again. Statistically, I guess that makes sense. Um, <laughs> I do want to ask, since again we are going to a Rick and Morty esque sort of you sort of setup uh, where we're jumping from place to place. I do want to ask, what AU? do you want to appear in this show and do you want to um, either Donut jumping into or Tucker jumping into what AU do you want to see
0: I want the AU where they immediately adopt Locus onto the red team after Felix dies like oh yes I have to leave now no fuck that you're staying with us we need to even out the teams blue team has two freelancers do you know how unfair that is congratulations you're on red team now
1: uh, there are lots of AUs I want to see. Now that you've said that, I want the AU where all of them went on Locus's Paladin quest. <laughs> they're a straight up like space D&D group, uh, you know, and he's the Paladin going on his little journey and they're all just his party members. I, I kind of want that AU. <laughs>
0: I also want, because I am a terrible person who has gone down this path more than once and would love to see an official execution on it, I want the AU where they did not give Wash a second chance at the end of Season 8 and he wound up working with Locus and Felix on Chorus. (laughs) The
1: connections
0: are there!
1: Ow! Oh my god! Oh my god! I would love that! That would be amazing!
0: they even all three have gray armor with an accent color
1: dude Washington stepping into Cyrus's place on the Merc team oh my god I love that that's amazing who came up with that AU did you come up with that AU
0: I'm not the only one who saw the pieces and went, you know, it would be really fun to play with the what if scenarios because he was working for the chairman. And so were the mercs. And eventually it would be, hey, I need another body down there to facilitate this. Do you still want a clean slate? Do this job. Once it's done, you're free. So it's not Wash as we know him in seasons 11 through 13, it's end of season eight, burned out, broken down, just wants to get the hell out of here, Wash, working with those two. How much awful, awful fun would that be?
1: That would be incredible. Um, I, I This is something we talked about when we did our reaction video. Um, it's not an AU I necessarily want to see, um but I kind of like the idea of what would the world as we know it look like in in the universe of red versus blue what would the world as we know it look like if Allison had never died because yeah because there would have been no project freelancer there would be no church AI or if there was a church AI it probably wouldn't have been tortured and turned into alpha omega all those other guys um you know washington might have just joined the regular army all of the freelancers might have just been in the regular army they were. yeah well i mean they wouldn't be in project freelancer is yeah. what i'm saying um so project freelancer never would have been a thing What would have become of our reds and blues? Would they all have just been, like, denied service for the army and then lived normal lives on Earth?
0: Or they all would have died in the war. I mean, Covenant are terrifying, terrifying aliens. Like, yeah,
1: they probably wouldn't have survived. Can I also see a world where the flood win? (laughs) (laughs) I... I, you know me. I love my horror movies. Let me wow. let me get a horror movie, wow. au.
0: We're going into stuff that is way outside the scope of what this season has presented. Like I think anything that's dealing with freelancers past, specifically anything that takes place before Ever Wonder Why we're here, and it isn't directly touched by any of the timeline, is probably off limits. That said my god a world where the flood winds is just a dead universe yikes (laughs) all right well we want to know what crazy au's you guys want to see we want to know all of your fun stuff so give us some feedback leave us some comments subscribe and catch us on twitter at the rooster team if you want to tweet us your Fun, crazy, ridiculous, wonderful fan theories. They don't necessarily need to be all of those things, but by nature of being red versus blue theories, they probably will be. Any other thoughts?
1: Uh, just that, again, I'm really excited for this season. Uh, I I love that Lee Eddy is our big bad. Uh, and I think we were talking about this off mic again. Probably the best line read in the entire episode was... Um, the discussion about shizno and what shiznos mean, <laughs> and hearing Lee Eddie go, "Well, it was a term that the fates bestowed onto them, and the fates are racist," was just the best thing in the world. <laughs> so again, w- I'm so happy that Lee is a part of this show. I'm so happy that uh, of like just with the setup for this season. I'm so happy.
0: I am really excited to see all of the different crazy directions that this is going to go, especially since we've had three different people with three different tastes in the writer's room coming up with the overarching plot for this. So I know we're switching horses in the middle of the stream, and that's dangerous, but it's also exciting.
1: So teamwork makes the dream work, is what I say to that.
0: But red teamwork or blue teamwork? Yes. (laughs) let's go with that so before we close out Megan where can the people find you?
1: Uh, You guys can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at the Menguin. that's T-H-E-M-E-N-G-U-I-N
0: and I'm Katie you can follow me all over the social medias as well as on YouTube and Twitch at KIAXET that is K-I-A-X-E-T if you like seeing the two of us react to these episodes they live on that YouTube channel Uh, be sure to follow uh, the team we said it was at the Rooster Team. We have a YouTube channel. We have a Tea Public store. We have all sorts of fun stuff. We also have a Discord, so you should come in and chat with people and come up with more crazy theories because crowdsourcing those is super fun and goes in some crazy, crazy directions. So follow the rooster team on all of the platforms that we're on. At the rooster team. That is Twitter, that is YouTube. We have a Discord server that's linked in there. That is the T Public, that is all those fun things. Follow us on Anchor. Subscribe to the show if you would like to support. We would love that. And, yeah, we'll be back next week. We'll be back next time an episode airs. We'll be back at some point in this crazy, varied timeline.
1: And uh, at some points this season, of course, Mark Donica will be joining us as well to give his voice uh, on and his take on this season. So we look forward to having him on RVB Recall as well. And if
0: we can convince Stacey Shuttlesworth to come on with absolutely zero context for literally anything that's happening, I feel like that would be a fun episode, depending on whether or not she's up for it. So um, we'll keep you updated on that front. (laughs) We'll keep you updated. In the meantime, thank you for listening, and we'll catch you at a later point in the timeline.